Hello, my name is Jordan Haas, and welcome to my niche podcast about game shows. I suppose each episode we talk about a different game show until we run out of things to talk about. Luckily, there's hundreds of game shows to talk about. Um, once again, Jordan Haas. Uh, last episode was a few days ago. We talked about 1 versus 100. Of course, I'm using the royal we because it's you, the listener, and myself. As you might have guessed, I have no one to talk game shows with. I'm I'm lonely. <laughs> It'll be fine, because that means no one can tell me when to stop the podcast, and I think that's a very uh, good thing to have. Um, of course, if you're listening to this, you can always send questions either through the Discord, on my Twitter at jordhodgeordha, or on jordanhaas.com. Or an email at jordanhaas at gmail.com. There has been a few questions sent our way since the 1 vs. 100 episode. Uh, Most of which is, are you going to talk about this show and that show? And the correct answer is yes. Um, Rather, it it doesn't have to be an American format. We will be exploring different formats from around the world. Rather, that is the United Kingdom series, such as a Pointless or a Countdown, all the way to Australian shows like Rock Quiz and their version of Deal or No Deal or their version of The Chase. Because uh, in the 1 vs. 100 episode, we did talk briefly about international formats. Uh, so stay tuned. You never know when we're going to be talking about the South Korean reality competition show, The Genius. But today's episode is uh, going to be a powerhouse game show. Unlike 1 vs. 100, which was a flash-in-the-pan hit on television, it's still considered somewhat obscure in the world of game shows. This is because it was a primetime format, and then it kind of had a few board games, and then uh, something happened and it just fell off the face of the earth. The one we're talking about today is one that's actually still on the air, and one that has global appeal, as it turns out. One that has a cult-like status, uh, and it was tough uh, to figure out which is going to be the first heavy hitter show. Uh, Technically, we can consider it being Price is Right, because we do Price is Right pricing game spotlights at the end of the show, but uh, I figure for this one, um, we we should do uh, Jeopardy. Now, uh... There's a whole lot of game shows currently active on the air that I would say are heavy hitters. For instance, let's make a deal. The price is right. Let's uh, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Family Feud. I think those are the heavy five. Um, things like Pyramid, things like Match Game. Yes, they're currently on the air, but those are primetime, like one a day kind of specials. We're, this is like strip syndicated shows that already have a cult appeal that people will are still talking about and watching. And have a, a and are part of the the phenomenon of television history. Um, so between all of those available, I figure the one to start with is one that I think is is uh, is a is a more cultural phenomenon. Uh, Wheel of Fortune will get its day, don't worry. But I think it's good to start with Jeopardy. Uh, the reason with Jeopardy is because of its uh, appeal in so many different ways. Uh, Before we even get into the game show and its creation and its aspects, uh, there's so many cultural appeals that come into Jeopardy. A lot of teachers in classrooms, even 
whether you were in the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, or the 2010s, a lot of teachers like to use the game Jeopardy as a way to review lesson plans for their students. Uh, as like a quick uh, roundup of Learning Stay Capitals or something involving a book that they've read. And I think that's a really cool exercise for teachers to get kids interested in, in learning about something. And also good reflexes because it also helps them out in figuring out questions that would be on the quiz. Because as we all know, when it comes to education, it's really just regurgitating information, which is kind of the appeal for most trivia shows. Now that I think about it, it's just regurgitating information you might have remembered. <clears throat> so, uh, Classroom Jeopardy. Uh, you can either just do index cards and make your own with like poster board. Uh, you can do, uh, there's a lot of software now with uh, PowerPoint. Uh, and Jeopardy themselves came up with a classroom Jeopardy, complete with the little signaling devices. Folks, I gotta tell you right now, it's not a buzzer, it's a signaling device. Um, to me, I feel a buzzer is that big yellow and red slam thing that you whack like this. You whack it uh, when you buzz in. Uh, versus a signaling device where you, you, you tap on it like a little clicky pin. And, and then uh, a little light goes on and then you can answer in the form of a question. Um, so, so Jeopardy has, of course, a phenomenal part in terms of educational system. Of course, if you're really hammered and drunk, you can make your own Jeopardy games about anything. Uh, if you are a nerd, for instance, and I know <laughs> doing a game show podcast, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of like uh, geeky, dorky people listening to this, and I know I'm one of you guys. But um, so so pick your convention of choice. Rather, it's video games, Star Trek, anime, and there is going to be, without a doubt, a version of Jeopardy as like a stage panel. Now, it doesn't know if they're going to do points or cash or whatever, but it, it definitely has a cult phenomenon where even if you don't really watch the show religiously, uh, there is going to be a version of Jeopardy where it's nothing but anime questions or questions about video games or questions about uh, movies or horror movies or, or, or uh, cult-like television shows. You never know, and it's so weird. I once saw a, a someone do a stage presentation at a classic car expo, and I'm like, I don't know anything about classic cars. I don't even know who made the Model T at the time, because I was five. But it was uh, a fascinating thing uh, to see that Jeopardy can transcend even past the television set into conventions into classrooms and i think because of that is why i wanted to talk about this show today it has a real mainstream appeal where you don't even have to be a game show nerd to understand jeopardy and its format uh it's very simple to understand although the a minor pet peeve is if it if you're going to do a jeopardy you got to give them the clues and have them answer in the form of a question a lot of times, they just ask a question, and then you just say the answer. Like, what is this, or who is that? And then they have to say the answer. No, that's no. Jeopardy is the reverse. Jeopardy is the reverse. Um, also, Jeopardy is, what I say is the big three of game show adaptations. Um, I think when it comes to adaptations, I think it's probably the biggest when it comes to adaptations because it's such a simplistic format 
that it works. And I'm not just saying like television shows, we'll get into that as well. Uh, I figure we will talk about all of the variations of the shows today as well. And then if we need to elaborate when we have like guests come over, we will. Because it is an ongoing show, there's always a good chance we might have to dwell back into the the sports Jeopardy or rock and roll Jeopardy or Jep. Um, so I say it's a big three because in the world of video games, and I, I like to think of you know game shows as an interactive format. Video games are an interactive format. Now. Video games, you control what's going on. It's your fate in the game. And then there's win conditions, lose conditions, or no conditions, just storytelling. I think of game shows in a similar way. Because it's the interaction between contestants and the game format itself. In addition, a real good game will have you at home watching on the screen, reacting to what's going on, going, you idiot, or it's this, it's C, it's C. And that's what I like the most about game shows. It it's, has the same visceral uh, reaction as a horror movie. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. But with a, a game being played, hopefully within 30 minutes to an hour where you have a winner and a runner-up. And and that's uh, a, an appeal. And sometimes not even a winner and a runner-up because, you know, there's... there's it, it much like storytelling in in movies and television shows, it, man versus man, man versus self, uh, th- those kind of familiar aspects. You know, it's contestant versus the house, contestant versus contestant, group versus contestant, group versus group. That's the kind of uh, conflictions that go on with the show, the little, the little competitions that go on in in a game show. Uh, Jeopardy uh, can be played. Because uh, with students, they like to do it uh, with fear group by group by group or by contestant by contestant by contestant. Um, and it's a big three game because uh, it, it, it gets adapted into video games a lot. Um, typically, the three are Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Family Feud. As someone that has a whole lot of video game adaptations of Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, in Family Feud, I can almost say with certain, if you're looking for a game show that's a video game for any platform, more than likely there'll be a Family Feud, a Jeopardy, and a Wheel of Fortune. Um, I think it's because of the coding when it comes to questions. Uh, Jeopardy has minimal uh, animations, so you really can just input text and then code it so it's either multiple choice one, two, three. And then either if two, then win. If three, then win. If one, then no. Something like that. Or a code where the input is accept and then the typed out answer. Things like that because it's very simplistic to code uh, a Jeopardy game. Or a Wheel of Fortune where it one, it's, once again, you code of 26. What happens if you say one of these things? Um and Family Feud for similar reasons. If this is written out in some way, accept that uh, because of those simplistic designs and because those have been around since the dawn of video games in the 80s, uh, then, of course, there would be adaptations of it. Um, Jeopardy uh, is actually the earliest of these Merv Griffin game shows. Let's get into it. So, uh, Merv Griffin is the creator of Jeopardy. Merv Griffin, uh, as you, you might not know, is a famous 
uh, entertainer as well. He's a famous uh, television personality. He had a great talk show back in the day uh, and is one of the legends in television, even outside of game shows. Uh, his favorite sub, his favorite hobby was actually crossword puzzles, uh, which, of course, would later get adapted into Merv Griffin's crosswords. Um, but if you see Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy, you would see there are signs of crosswords in those games. For instance, Wheel of Fortune has the crossword category in tribute to him. Uh, and sometimes they do like a code, like a clue, and then what's the clue as a, a Wheel of Fortune category. Jeopardy, of course, has a infamous crossword clues and then quotation marks uh, category uh, in similar ways. Also, Monopoly was a game show with Merv Griffin, but more on that when we get to it. Okay, we're doing Jeopardy, and there's so much to get to. So... In a 1964 Associate Press profile uh, released before the creation of Jeopardy, Merv Griffin basically talked about the creation of the game show and basically said something along the lines of the wife Julian uh, uh, came up with the idea one day when they were in a plane going from New York City to Duluth. Uh, they were mulling over game show ideas. And, you know, speaking as someone who loves game show formats, I can understand that. And she noted that there's not been a successful question and answer game since the quiz show scandals. So the quiz show scandals, uh, just briefly, was at the time, you know, early in the 50s and the 40s, uh, game shows kind of were a little sketchy. And a lot of producers said, well, we're just production. It's an entertainment show. We're doing entertainment. So why not just not really cheat the system, but basically give the contestants an edgewise and play one over the other because if they keep winning money, then people will keep watching. Think, uh, I'm not going to say it's a scandal, but you know like how Ken Jennings won so many weeks of Jeopardy and you just kept watching because, wow, Ken Jennings is so smart. Who's going to beat Ken Jennings? Now, that was actually legit. He was not fed any answers and clues. He's just really that smart. Back in the day, though, they would try and find someone that was similar to that and have them keep going so you had to keep watching to see the chase almost like a a, a professional wrestling contest the, the wheel the the face get the the championship belt and here comes the heel and the heel ha still has it it's crazy it was some carny level stuff and of course the fcc would step in and standards and practices would be created and a lot of game shows got canceled, and a lot of people were kind of exiled in the world of entertainment uh, because you're lying to the general public about everything, pretty much. Um, and and that uh, is still to this day. So if you ever see game shows, there's standards and practices. There's like anything from, from question stacking, favoring one contestant to the other, to what happens if an audience member screams out an answer, to how close can you be within the production if you were a contestant. That's why if you see a lot of uh, eligibility forms, uh, they, they're they really scary. And then you're in credits say, contestants must uh, pass eligibility requirements for receiving any announced prizes at the end of credits of many game shows. Because these eligibility requirements are like, do you or someone you know work at Fremontal or in the mall or Sony Pictures? Because if they have a friend, they might know a guy who knows a guy who can give you the answers. That's kind of why it's there in, in, the, in general. Um, so, game show scandals, real bad, real scary stuff. Uh, really ruined the industry. 
so we're focused back on the quiz show scandals and julian uh just basically decided uh why hasn't it been a successful question and answer game show since quiz show scandals and then they thought why not do a switch where you give the answers and the contestants provide the answers. For instance, 5,280 is how many feet are in a mile? See, that's that's the question. How many feet are in a mile? 5,280. Uh, another was 79 Wistful Vista, which was the Fiber and Molly McKee's address. Um, that's the idea. And it went straight to NBC, and they bought it with, and they bought the show without even looking at a pilot presentation. Now, the original idea was going to be called "What's the Question." And it was going to be this huge game board of 10 categories with 10 questions each. So therefore, it's 100 questions and answers per episode. And that is, of course, very daunting. Uh, Of course, the board cannot fit on camera. And why would it? It would be a giant square. Um, So instead, they reduced it to two rounds of 30 clues each. So it's two rounds of 30, which is, of course, if you know the common jeopardy board it's six categories uh going one through five all right so uh so you know in the first so it goes like one two three four five and then time six and then of course there's two rounds and that second round of course the double jeopardy which actually means that the original intention which was 100 clues uh is now shortened to well 60 61 if you include the final jeopardy but more on that later. Uh, originally, um, he had to require grammatically correct phrasing, like who is for a person. And, and of course, as we figure out later on, everyone just goes, what is? What is? What is this? What is this? What is What is the who? What is uh, Fifel goes west? Things like that. Um, before finding a grammatical question, he decided the show would accept any correct response in the form of that question. Griffin discarded the initial title of the show, What's the Question? When Skeptical Network executive Ed Vane rejected his original concept of the show, claiming it doesn't have enough Jeopardies. Get it? Jeopardies. Um, so when it was originally... So the Jeopardy became uh, when you pick the category and the, que- the value of the question, because every question goes from like 100 to 500 in, in the Trebek version, and now it's 200 to 1,000, if you're watching modern day, uh, you get the question right, you get the money. You get the question wrong, you lose the value of the money. There's your Jeopardy, in addition to Daily Double. Um, but I just want to say this, and this is one shocking fact. The idea of I'm giving you an answer and then you give the question is nothing new. In fact, there was a game show ho- uh by Gil Fates called the CBS Television Quiz, which lasted from July 1941 to May 1942. That was the original Answers and Questions game show. When Jeopardy first came on the air in 1964, it was a crazy time because at the time, not a lot of game shows were on the air. Uh, and this was NBC. NBC! As many game show fans would know, NBC at the time, much like CBS, uh, were, were trying to get some good daytime uh, game shows going, and these became big events. Game shows at the time were just like powerhouses, and NBC really did play it risky. 
if you if you try and find them, and I'm sure there's historical archives you can find it, because of the quiz show scandals, because of the idea of the producers give contestants answers, uh, they decided to market the show exactly like that. Jeopardy! It's a game show where the contestants get the answers. And you're supposed to be shocked, like, oh, no, they're doing it again. The game shows are cheap, and it's, but they give the questions. Oh, that's the twist. And it was that shock value. Jeopardy, I know. For now, it's just like this weird show of just nerdy people answering questions about uh, astrology and and uh, and uh, famous uh, celebrity podcasts. But, but at the time, that marketing of the, of the, give the contestants the answers was so shocking people were were scared there was going to be another game show scandal and the fascinating thing was it worked it was that shock of oh no a second quiz show scandal is about to hit that gave jeopardy its original appeal now if you are uh, young you still think it's just trebek but uh, a long time game show fans know, and those who know the original Jeopardy know, it was never originally Trebek. The 1964 edition, all the way to 1979, uh, was actually hosted by Art Fleming. Art Fleming with Don Pardo. Don Pardo, the SNL voiceover. Because, um, once again, NBC. Um, and Art Fleming was the original host of Jeopardy. Uh, in the first rounds of Jeopardy, uh, the values range from $10 to $50 in the Art Fleming era. Uh, and then on the all-new Jeopardy, it was 25 to 125 uh, That was something special. Um, of course, uh, then when you buzz in, you answer in the form of the question, you get it right, you get the money, you get it wrong, there's Jeopardy, you lose the money. One of the categories is the Daily Jubble. If that happens, you hear that boo 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 noise, and you can risk as much of your money or as little on one clue and it's only going towards you um so in the second round uh it was the double jeopardy round uh so the money values 20 to 100 dollars um and then it goes into the uh, final jeopardy where everyone gets one clue and wagers how much and if they're right, they can double their money or lose it all if they wanted to. Go double or nothing. Um, on the Art Fleming editions, uh, everyone gets to keep their money, I believe. But the one who got the most would return in the next episode. In addition, there was a Super... What's the, what was that final round called? I think it was called Super Jeopardy. It was the really weird... Uh, yeah, I'm going to look this up real quick. Sorry. Uh, I... There was a Super Jeopardy final round, where on the Super uh, Jeopardy, uh, there was basically, they had to do a bingo board, where they had to go one through five um, in five categories, so a much simpler board, in 60 seconds to get $5,000, because, you know, if you're going $10 to 50 and then $20 to 100 you're not getting anywhere near the five grand, and we want big money. Of course, they tried everything they can to do all sorts of weird, uh, crazy uh, ways to, to make the show faster and, and make it exciting. And then the show just ended in, right before the 80s, 1979. 
so, between 1979 to 1984, a certain musician named Weird Al Yankovic came out with a song called I Lost on Jeopardy. That's right, that I Lost on Jeopardy baby song. That was not at all uh, during Trebek's era until a little later on. The song was in reference to Art Fleming and Don Pardo's edition of Jeopardy. So, five years go by. 1984 is now the year. And a lot of companies are kind of like, well, Jeopardy's come and gone. We need something new. Wheel of Fortune becomes a hit, nearly. And Merv Griffin comes back with, let's give Jeopardy a new try. Uh, So... With the new version of Jeopardy, there is no gimmicks. It really is now just plain and simple Jeopardy. There's daily doubles, uh, regular Jeopardy, double Jeopardy, one daily double in round one, two daily doubles in round two, and a final Jeopardy uh, clue. Whoever gets the most money keeps the money. The rest get parting gifts. That's it. So now there is an encouragement to be riskier in the competition. Uh, because now only the first place person wins the money. The rest get luggage sets or books like an encyclopedia set. Unless you're talking modern day, in which case $1,000 and $2,000. Uh, second and third place prizes provided by Centrum Silver or Aleve. Um, and we're now going to go straight into the Trebek era of the game. So we're talking Alex Trebek's era of the game show now. This is when the show actually gets a colder phenomenon. Trebek with his mustache and later without the mustache. So round one is regular Jeopardy. $100 to $500 with six clues. And on this version, there is no like paper. There's no cardboard stock. Everything is televisions, which in for the 1980s was actually ahead of its time in terms of using technology. A lot of electronic uh, game boards at the time were just kind of like LED stadium lights. Um, so anyone who's a big fan of sta- of sports would know, uh, or even television. Whenever you see something in a sporting event, uh, rather it's the broadcasting or the the camera or the or what's going on on a monitor somewhere, typically that technology will eventually make its way into television. Rather, it's lighting kits like spotlights or uh, those stadium LED displays, which are now almost in every game show at this point. Those, it's so fascinating, like 4K television sports, because look at the, the shiny helmet on the NFL guy. It's, it's great. So for television to have a big wall of monitors, almost like you're walking into a Best Buy, that was actually ahead of its time. And that is kind of cool. Most of the time, uh, game boards were just LED light bulbs. Like just those light bulbs that buzz on and off. And that's it. Look at Double Dare, for instance. Uh, not, not the messy Nickelodeon game show. The earlier game show hosted by Alex Trebek. Also Wizard of Odds, if you want to go with more Alex Trebek. Or even High Rollers. Those are three game shows hosted by Alex Trebek that were not Jeopardy. That's right, Alex Trebek, a game show host. Of course, he was originally a musician from Canada, and then he just kind of eased his way into the world of guest game show hosting. It's a swinky job. Um, so 
the first round of Jeopardy is $100 to $500 one daily double. Uh, if you get the daily double, you can make a risk of how much you want to wager from $5 to your entire score. Uh, the, the, the current name of that is called a true daily double. At the end of round one, either by timeout or by going through all 30 clues, we go into double Jeopardy, where values are from $200 to $1,000 with two daily double clues. Whoever was in the lowest, uh, whoever has the lowest score at the end of round one, would start first in round two. Uh, then after all both those rounds, you go into the final Jeopardy, where it's one clue category shown, and they get to wager as little, which is zero, to all of it on one final clue. They get it right, they get the money, get it wrong, they don't get the money, they lose it. That's the Jeopardy. That's the Jeopardy. That's the title. The title's Jeopardy. Just to remind you, it's Jeopardy. Um, so, there's a lot of strategies that go involved with Jeopardy. There's a lot of different contestants famous on Jeopardy. Jeopardy, it, it's a decade, decades-old phenomenon. It's been over 35 years on the air. And it's still going strong today. It's It's been nominated for... Uh, Emmys and win Emmys and there's technology that always changes with the show there's the invention of the clue crew where there's not just Alex Trebek giving clues now there's a nice group of people who go all over the entire world at famous landmarks and deliver questions at the area so everything's kind of like a visual clue just to add something different there's audio clues there's photo clues Things to keep the show fresh without ever changing the the original format up, which is the simple act of person picks category and value. There's the clue. Light bulb goes off. You buzz in with the signaling device. Answer in the form of the question. If it's correct, you get the value. Get it wrong, you lose the value. If you're right, you also get to continue and pick the next subject and category and value. That's how it goes. Um, <laughs> I don't edit these at all. Um, so with with the with the Jeopardy, that's that's kind of the appeal of the show is that you'll see three contestants, and it is essentially when it comes down to Jeopardy, it really is a sporting event. I say if you are even if you don't understand. Most of the stuff being broadcast on Jeopardy, like you do not know world capitals, you do not know prime ministers, you don't know college and universities histories, you can still watch it just for the fact it's like a 30-minute, essentially, competition. Like it is a, It's almost sports-like in its broadcasting, where it's head-to-head-to-head, -to -head -to -head, three players. It's not like a 1v1, because any of the three players can go strong in this show, and it's a rhythm, and there are some days where the, the contestant, if they're a returning champion, might have categories they're really strong at. Like, maybe they're really good at uh, television history, like me. Or maybe they're really good at uh, music. But then there's some days where they might end up with, like, uh, poems and poetry, or Shakespeare, and they're just lost. Or opera. And it's, oh, jeez. Because everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's also the appeal for Jeopardy for all audiences. Out of a 12-category game, sometimes 13, 
at least one has to hit you in some form or a fashion where you can go, that's my category, I want to see it played. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be a gimmick week like a teen week or a college week or a kids edition. Usually one out of 12, well, one of those 12, you might end up being excited for, like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or a 1980s foreign film. Something that you enjoy could be a category in one episode, and you might destroy that entire set of five questions, and I think that is also an appeal. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Everyone knows something someone else might not know. And that's what makes a show very appealing, in addition to its head-to-head-to-head competition format. That's, I would say, the the closest you can get to a sport that is involved with understanding trivia questions, even more than a trivia bowl like a university challenge or the or the GE uh, College Bowl, something like that uh, is is an exciting show. And that and I think the appeal is, of course, the mainstream with different categories in the head-to-head format. So, uh, Jeopardy would grow later on. You know, Trebek would shave his mustache, and now the values have grown. It's two hundred dollars to one thousand dollars in round one, four hundred dollars to two thousand dollars in round two. Um, the ch- other change that they have made is that no longer, if the event of a tie at the end of the game. Well, you see co-returning champions. Now there is one final clue to determine who goes on. Uh, personally, I think that's kind of annoying. But I I, I could see uh, why they want to do that just to save some money. Um, and the other uh, exciting factoid to come from Jeopardy is, of course, the... Is this... Uh, is the is the think music um it's the most iconic thing to come out of jeopardy uh so uh with copyright infringing going on right now here is a here is the full version of the jeopardy think music for you to enjoy So, yeah, that's the think music to Jeopardy. I love that song. Uh, of course, Merv Griffin actually composed that song. That was supposed to be a lullaby song for his daughter, and I think that is very uh, charming. And it does want to make you go to sleep. Well, you know, get a little teddy bear, a little blanket, maybe some more milk. Have a good night listening to that theme song. Um, of course, with every generation of Jeopardy and its different changes and stages from this weird quasi-Circuit City look-alike to a sushi bar to now it looks like basically a mainstream computer set, um, the, the theme song also changes very slightly. Uh, the last incarnation of the theme song was 2008 in addition to the Think song. Um, so, so... With every version, there is some new theme song, a new theme, and a new set podiums. Um, but the the cool thing about it is, it doesn't really change the game at all. 
And you can play this game with a different set. If it's Celebrity Jeopardy, you can have it in New York City style. It it and and there's power players where you get United States senators and and newsmakers to play the game. And it's kooky. It's koozie and it's it's just a crazy show to see how many hard hitting people want to play Jeopardy. Um, I think everyone wants. I think this is the game show that does have the mass appeal of so many people because theoretically it it is one of those also everything game shows because the format never changes just the values the gimmicks just keep up with the time so visuals video clue crew and then at three points in the game uh there well, actually four technically the daily doubles act as the huge risk and rewards where, you know, even though this game goes really fast, you screw up, whatever, let's keep going, 10 seconds, let's keep going, next question, next question, next question, next question. Then when it's a daily double and it's one person answering the question for themselves and that's it, they just still keep going. It goes from maybe like a 10 second clue to maybe a 20 to 30 second clue. And that's all, that's all the daily doubles are. If this was a modern day game show and like this was just created today, there would only be one Jeopardy round, maybe five clues with five categories. And it's like from $1,000 to $5,000. One of them is the daily double. If you get it right, you get it. And it's like, okay, Mary, I'll take uh, common sayings for $4,000. Okay, Mary. This is the third question in a row in common sayings. This is for $4,000. If you get this question right, you will go up to $7,000. But be careful. One of the other two can get it. For $4,000, your Jeopardy clue is coming up right after this. That would be if Jeopardy was created in current times. But in Jeopardy now, it's still fast-paced. They don't care. Just keep going. Keep it fresh. And I think that is really one of the biggest strives going in for Jeopardy. Um, it's a bingeable show. Jeopardy is the only game show I could think of that is mainstream and on, like, Netflix and Hulu. Like, I don't see Wheel of Fortune. I don't see Price is Right. I don't see Let's Make a Deal or Family Feud. I just see Jeopardy in its Tournament of Champions. And that is in also an iconic thing to come from Jeopardy. Is originally, with Jeopardy, uh, you could only be a champion for five days and then you win a brand new car. And that's it. But then, we you know, with Jennings, uh, it becomes unlimited. You can come in... Next week, 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 week. You can be there for 50 games if you want to and really break the bank. As long as you keep winning, you can keep uh, getting money. That's And that's a strong appeal to Jeopardy and a fast way that Jeopardy was able to create uh, celebrities. Rather, it was Ken Jennings or Brad Rutter or Colby or Arthur Chu uh, or, or uh, Julia. There's or Louis Vertel. There's so many different people who are contestants on Jeopardy that have gone on to have somewhat nerdy acclaim for being on Jeopardy, and I think that's kind of funny. Um, it's the ultimate game show in that regard. Also, because it's probably the ultimate trivia show as well. 
because it's not a show that skimps out. We're not dimming it down by just doing pop culture questions, and we're not making it so tough that, you know, people can't play along. This is a show that's the ultimate play-along. You see the screen show the clue. You can shout out the answer, and in like three seconds, someone else is going to say that answer, or they're all going to be stumped, and you're going to hear a boop, 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 and you're just going to be like, oh my god. The only annoying thing to come from Jeopardy is that if there's a category I know you enjoy, and they're just so afraid to call it, like baseball stadiums, or, or video games, and it's like, ah, I don't, I'm just going to save that for last. And it's like, okay, we have a minute left, and keep going. And then there's like five clues left on that board in that category. And then you hear, boop, 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 oh, time's up. That's the end for the first round. I know that annoys somebody. Or is that just me? I think it probably is just me. I say just get through all the clues. Uh, speaking of the Jeopardy clues, uh, because Jeopardy is such a cool show where there's at least there has got to be over 19,000 clues at this point, maybe even 30,000. Let me check real quick. Uh, the best way to check for clues is by going to a website called J Archive. That's the letter J hyphen archive.com. Uh, there is, whoa, holy moly. 362,557 clues as of this recording and counting. The front side shows you a recent Final Jeopardy and a random Final Jeopardy. The recent, of course, is the one from probably the most recent episode of Jeopardy that was broadcast, uh, complete with category and the clue, then you hover over it and you can get the answer. And I think that's cool. Uh, then there is Random Final Jeopardy, which is from a random episode from the 35 seasons of Jeopardy currently going strong. Um, another fun thing I like about J-Archive is that you can just search uh, different categories. So for instance, if I was to search, I don't know, uh, Batman. I am a Batman nerd, so of course I will search Batman. Um, there is... oh. There's a few. And, hey, I'll even search Nightwing just to be more crazy because everyone other knows other than game shows, you know, big fan of... Okay, so on the February 5th, 2016 episode, tape date 7230, uh, superhero name changes for $200. After this psychic matured in the DC universe, he became Nightwing. Well, the... They say the answer is Robin, but the correct answer is Dick Grayson. Robin didn't really go away, because then Robin was Jason Todd and Tim Drake, but whatever, they'll accept that. I can understand why. Um, so if anybody uh, has a episode of the February 5th, 2016 episode of Jeopardy, uh, 7230, please uh, send it to me, specifically one specific clue, just so I can hear Al Trebek say, Nightwing. Um, it was a college championship quarterfinal game five. So, uh, the 2016 college championship quarterfinal game five, February 5th, 2016, please send that over. I love J archive just cause so many clues and I know I, I screw up all the time when it comes to jeopardy. Uh, the final jeopardy is I, of course the, a thrilling final round cause really anyone can come from behind to win. If the if the gap is strong enough uh, that you know if you're down three thousand dollars, it's possible you can catch up and win if the person plays it safe. 
if you're really good at math and you know what, how much you need to basically uh, be over the next two people, usually those are the people who can get it, um, which leads to a lot of smart wagering. Uh, the, there's the there's a whole lot of places where they actually do mathematical formulas of how much is the proper wager for you based on uh, the the way to win. So like if you're in last place, wager at all because you have nothing to lose except for getting a thousand dollars. That's that's also a really cool thing. Another fascinating thing I found out is you you know when you, you, these kids they're 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 a little uh, what's the term smart asses, little smart ass kids. Um, in U.S. schools and some Canadian schools, uh, when someone takes a little too long to answer a question, because you know a teacher calls out something and the kids are smart and they just go do 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 do, you know, as, as like a joke, as silly, funny, haha's. Um, in the U.K., their version of the think music is the countdown theme. That do 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 boink. That, and I, and I, get, I guess there is some sort of uh, transatlantical appeal to game shows by children when it comes to thinking music played for thinking of something and taking too long. And I, and I think that's kind of a fascinating fact to give. I don't know why I gave it in the Jeopardy answer when I could have given it to the Countdown episode. I'll probably repeat myself when we do Countdown. But um, Jeopardy, still on the air today. Uh, and... There's all sorts of, th- of gimmick weeks, like a teacher's week, a uh, kid's week, a teen week, a uh, college week, and then sometimes they still do seniors week, but not really. There was a battle of the decades, tournament champions, and a strong appeal to Jeopardy is, in fact, the, the tournament of champions. Um, a tournament champions episode, because I remember that's what we were talking about because of the five days weeks, and now everyone appeals to it. Basically, what they do is they grab, uh, I think, 12 people who were the biggest winners of Jeopardy of that season, and they just play two weeks worth of Jeopardy, where there's wild card spots, and then the final three are in a two-day finale, where whoever gets the most money after a combined two episodes uh, wins the quarter-million-dollar purse. That's... And that's, of course, a strong way to conclude a season of Jeopardy is to bring everyone back. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that the returning champion from the episodes before it uh, necessarily goes away. That returning champion starts the new season of Jeopardy uh, later this fall. Because that's, you know, how you, you do things these days. Um, so, when it, it's, it's Jeopardy has... A strong base, of course. And as I've said, you know, it's Trebek, it's three contestants, it's an easy-to-digest format. Jeopardy would also uh, spawn a whole bunch of spin-off shows. I can't think of any other game show in existence that has as many spin-offs as Jeopardy. Wheel of Fortune had Wheel 2000. Joker's Wild had Joker, Joker, Joker. Hollywood Squares comes close because you have uh, hip-hop squares and then you had uh, storybook squares. But with with Jeopardy and having that Jeopardy branding, there are three various versions of Jeopardy. Um, Sports Jeopardy, Rock and Roll Jeopardy, and Jep. Uh, So 
we'll quickly get through all three of them and show the differences, and that's how fun. Uh, Sports Jeopardy is the most recent spinoff of Jeopardy, hosted by Dan Patrick. Uh, it is basically just sports trivia versions of Jeopardy. The difference between regular Jeopardy and Sports Jeopardy is instead of money, they play for points. And instead of five clues, there's four, 250, 500, 750, and 1,000. Also, there is one daily double in round one and two in round two. So there is uh, the first, uh, the, fir- the person who wins Jeopardy gets $5,000 and goes on to the, uh, the, final, the final round if they score the most points in that season. Uh, second and third get $1,000 and $2,000 because that's Jeopardy. Um, so now there's a big appeal to getting the most points in the show so you can go into the final tournament of champions because whoever wins tournament of champions in sports Jeopardy gets $50,000. Um, the, uh, there's also a few celebrity editions and a weird thing to come from sports Jeopardy was it was not broadcast on, uh, television. I mean, nowadays it is with, uh, the NBC sports network, but Sports Jeopardy was originally a Crackle production. I think it still is if you check out uh, Crackle, which is owned by Sony, which makes sense because Jeopardy is owned by Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures owns Merv Griffins, that's the blah, blah, blah. And Sony TriStar, the blah, 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 productions and businesses and money, 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 money. All right, so Sony bought Crackle and Sports Jeopardy is on Crackle. And it's a... It's a quicker version because it's uh, it's very small. Uh, it's a very s- shorter version of it uh, because you know four clues versus five. I think it's still six categories, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I got real quickly check. Yes, it is. All right. So it's four clues, and then it goes five hundred, one thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand in double jeopardy. Uh, the the other craziest thing to come from Sports Jeopardy is the product placement on the show. There is like a sports broadcast overlaying ads for Buffalo Wild Wings and 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 cell phones, and it's weird. I mean, I don't see that on any other game show, but I am just like weirded out when I see that. Um, but with Sports Jeopardy. Of course, makes sense. Uh, I think sports trivia is is one of those few things, much like pop culture, where things can always change. And there's a lot of ways you can dig into sports trivia because there's dozens and dozens of sports. I mean, you can do mainstream like football, basketball, baseball, hockey. You can go into mixed martial arts and boxing. You can go into... Uh, different logos for different teams. You can go into ballparks. You can go to owners. You can go into who scored the most uh, RBIs in the 2015 year. Uh, You can go with uh, he was the NBA All-Star last year. Uh, He is number 23 on the Los Angeles Lakers. Something like that is clues that can always progress because one number could be different than another number. Like, he's the original number 23 on the Los Angeles Lakers versus modern day where he is current number 23. Uh, sports trivia always updates because sports is always ongoing. It 
that's a strong appeal with sports trivia. Uh, that's, I think, why there has been a sports jeopardy uh, to come with it. And Dan Patrick is a very charming and funny guy, and I could see why he would be the host for a sports jeopardy. He's very intelligent, and as someone who loves sports as much as him, he'll, he'll do a great job. Um, so, uh, currently, uh, Sports Jeopardy is on hiatus. The last episode was December 7th, 2016. It's almost 2019. It's almost January 2019, so something tells me we're not getting a Sports Jeopardy, because there was not one last year, and not one this year. Um... That, that's a that's a rough time, but you know it was uh, a very fascinating uh, game show to come from it. Sports Jeopardy with Dan Patrick. Uh, the other thing to come from Sports Jeopardy, besides you know having like a weird marching band think music song, uh, was that because they shortened the time segment, they kind of made the final round post. Uh, final jeopardy they had a post game show where they had all three people sitting in like a fake booth at a fake sports bar talking about the game and i thought that was really interesting because when it comes to sports jeopardy uh you know that the it, it, there's everyone has their own favorite sports and and i think what the appeal of sports is is everyone's passionate about one thing in sports and they kind of got to understand more of the contestants and why they love sports trivia so much. And then in the post game, it basically is that in credits, look at the host talking to the contestants while the theme is playing. But this time around, you can actually hear what they're saying. Uh, most of the time, it's just, I had no idea about this category and clue, but that's okay. I think that's kind of fun. Um, in addition, Sports Jeopardy did kind of have similar clue clues with video clues from different sports. And, and I, I think that was a strong show. I think the reason the show did not do so hot must have been because it was Crackle and because it, the, 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 the audience just wasn't there. If you were a sports nerd, you're not watching Crackle. If, if Sports Jeopardy was on ESPN or Fox Sports, that show would be doing great numbers. Of course, nowadays it's on the NBC Sports Network, which makes me wonder, why doesn't NBC Sports Network just pick up another season of Sports Jeopardy? I think it would do very well. Um, that's Sports Jeopardy. Uh, I, I think it was a really, really fun idea. Uh, then before then earlier than that, uh, there was a game show called Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you heard the theme song uh, before the show, you would know that was not the regular Jeopardy theme, but rather that of Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Rock and Roll Jeopardy was a crazier version of the game show. It actually lasted four seasons and 104 episodes. And it was hosted by an obscure guy, because this was 1998, called Jeff Propes. You ever heard this Jeff Propes guy? I mean, I don't, I don't know whatever happened to that dude. Aside from, you know, having a successful reality competition show set on a desert island where people basically stab each other in the throat for a million dollars. Um, but his first game show was Rock and Roll Jeopardy. I, I, I don't know if that really was his first, by the way. I know he did uh, FX. But uh, I think that was his first game show. Uh, okay, I was right. It was his first. Uh, he did sound effects, and then he did... Okay, there you go. That's right. So he did... 
He was a uh, host of FX's uh, Back Chat and then Sound FX with Orlando Jones and then VH1's Rock and Roll Jeopardy. That's Jeff Probst's early career before Survivor. Uh, Rock and Roll Jeopardy was a cool version of Jeopardy. Um, so um, it played similar to Sports Jeopardy, uh, where it was points instead of money. Um and uh, basically, the uh, the the first uh, the winner gets five thousand, second place two thousand, third place one thousand. Uh, but instead of questions about anything ranging from U.S. history to Australian cities, uh, you, you saw music questions. So anything from Soul music, Billboard Hot 100, R&B, rap, punk rock, uh, famous landmarks, uh, the the 1995 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Those were the categories. And unlike uh, Sports Jeopardy, it was proper Jeopardy, Ask Jeopardy, where it was six categories, five clues, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 in round one. Double Jeopardy, 200, 400, 600, 800, 1,000 in round two. Two daily doubles in round two. One daily double in round one. And a final Jeopardy clue where it was the winner take all. There were a lot of rock musicians playing in this game. One of which was one weird Al Yankovic. Of course, that was a funny one because, you know, he lost the Jeopardy and they played it because it's rock and roll Jeopardy. It's silly. Um... All right. Well, that's the that's kind of how it goes. Um, Rock and Roll Jeopardy also had a different set than Classic Jeopardy, uh, similar in terms of podiums in the game board, but it had more industrial because it was more dark purples and uh, stripy stuff, like like a like a lot of T bars on that show and a lot of awnings. It's weird. Um, Sports Jeopardy would have a spin-off app, game app. Rock and Roll Jeopardy would be one to have a Flash version of the game, as well as a PC download version of the game. Um, I don't think any of those are available now. Uh, and and that's the only spin-off version, I believe, of Jeopardy to get its own version. Now, of course, Sports Jeopardy has existed. There has been a floppy disk PC version of Sports Jeopardy. But Rock and Roll Jeopardy is kind of eclectic enough as it is. I believe there is a actual... I have to really check this out. Has there been a unit like a uh, board game adaptation of Rock and Roll Jeopardy? Because I know there's been Jeopardy's of everything, pretty much, from like The Simpsons to The Big Bang Theory, that it would not surprise me if they made a Rock and Roll Jeopardy board game. I will probably check that right now with the home game database. Let's see. Rock and Roll Jeopardy game. Not download. I already own it. I own a lot of game show adaptations. Do not buy the PC version of Rock and Roll Jeopardy. It's busted. Um, board game. You too can be Jeff Probst. Um, according to the game show wiki, no. The Game Show Wiki does not have it. There has only been a 2000 and 2001 calendar. Um, there we go. Uh, let's see here. 
According to the game show wiki, though, for Rock and Roll Jeopardy, he has completed on Celebrity Jeopardy twice, 2000-2003, and often contributes to the show by getting survivor-related clues from the show's venues. He also appeared on the 2010 April's Full Day episode on the adult show, where he alternated his cameo appearances with Pat Sajak and Neil Patrick Harris, even Will Ferrell got in the act by announcing the final Jeopardy category. Alright, that's a fun fact. King World did not distribute Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Wow, that's neat. Uh, the set was very purple. That's all I remember. It was in light-up bars. Um, so, so it was a VH1 show, and it was a... And look, if Sports Jeopardy was on a ESPN or Fox Sports, it would do the same numbers as I would say Rock and Roll Jeopardy did on VH1, because VH1 is a music channel, and that's music trivia. It makes sense. Sports Jeopardy was on Obscure Online. Rock and Roll Jeopardy, I don't know what happened. But one thing that made Rock and Roll Jeopardy a little cool was because sometimes in their rounds there was this basically name that tune style we're going to play like five seconds of a song, guess what it is, and who sang it, or something like that. And uh, not a lot of times that plays up in regular Jeopardy these days, because, you know, licensing agreements. But on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, it made a little bit of sense. And if you are a music aficionado, that is your your bread and butter, and that, sh- that made for a real fun game show. Uh, I think uh, that's one of the better spinoff versions of Jeopardy. I mean, Sports Jeopardy was modern-day Jeopardy. Rock and Roll Jeopardy was a sign of the mid-2000s Jeopardy. And then the original spinoff of Jeopardy was a show on Game Show Network. It was called Jep. Jep, as in J-E-P. Because we don't think kids know how to spell Jeopardy. So they'll say Jep, J-E-P. It was hosted by Bob Bergen. Bob Bergen... Uh, none of you probably not know this, but Bob Bergen is a popular, one of the most amazing voiceovers in the industry. He's behind the voice of a lot of Looney Tunes characters, more specifically Porky Pig. Uh, one of the nicest, sweetest guys you can ever meet and talk to, uh, and, and, and wicked funny. Uh, and he was very charming on the show. It lasted one season and had 22 episodes. Jep was the first spinoff. Jep was the children's version of spin-off of Jeopardy before it became a kids week on Jeopardy, which I believe was like 2016, 2015. Jep was the only way for kids to play Jeopardy. Unlike a kids episode where they're playing with money, on Jep they're playing for points. Um, unlike regular Jeopardy where the category and then there's five different values, and then you have to pick one, and you know it's easy on the first level, and then harder on the fifth level. On this one, there are only four clues within five categories. Makes it even more simpler than six clues, six categories with five clues. We're we're dropping one on both of them, so it's five categories, four clues each, and the values range from one hundred to five hundred points. Uh, how they determine the point value is they have to slam on the buzzer. That's right, no signaling devices. Unlike Sports Jeopardy, Rock and Roll Jeopardy, there's no signaling devices. They actually have buzzers, one on each side, left and right. And if they slam on it correctly, it can be anywhere from 100 points to 500 points. Like, press your luck, you know, randomizer. Um, Which means, on any given round, they can get as much as 10,000 points, 20,000 in round two. 
Um, first round is regular Jep or just Jep. Then they go into hyper Jep, and then the final Jep round. Uh, the the fun part about Jep is the contestants aren't standing. They are in fact sitting down in these weird rocket chairs that just propel them into the studio. On most of Jeopardy, uh, the introduction is, Now entering the studio are today's players, a lumberjack from Akron, New Jersey, this guy, a housekeeper from Marriott, Georgia, say hello to this girl, and a returning champion, a therapist from Seattle, Washington, this guy, whose three-day winnings total $14,650. With uh, Jep, they just have the three contestants go through these weird grids while strapped to a chair and just sends them forward uh, where there's the double buzzers. Um, and they usually just say their name, where they're from, and I think in later se- like episodes, what cable channel has Game Show Network? It's such a weird feeling. Um and then, uh, of course, you introduce the host, and that's all the way the intro. So the reason they're strapped to a chair is because of the Jeopardy that comes into this game show. Unlike the regular game of Jeopardy, where if you get it wrong, you lose money, on Jep, you lose points. Also, on the if you get three wrong, there's going to be trouble. If you get one wrong, not only do you lose points, but a vat above the contestant's head starts quote-unquote cooking. And by cooking, I mean a bunch of PA starts filling up a big bucket with, like, styrofoam peanuts or foam soccer balls or feathers. If they get too wrong, the contents of the big bucket will fall on the contestant. No, they don't get slime. They don't have the rights to it. So instead, they get covered in feathers or styrofoam peanuts or soccer balls. And if they get three wrong at any time, they are in timeout and they get yanked from their chair and put into the detention holding center where they cannot answer for one question. Whoa, that's a toughie because, you know, look, I understand the risk involved with the show and I understand maybe every question matters. But if a contestant is getting pulled back and not able to answer a question, wouldn't that mean that two players don't really have a chance to answer a question anyway if someone buzzes in and gets the question correct? What difference does it make? That's kind of one bit of Jeopardy that doesn't really make much sense compared to the fun of seeing a whole bunch of from Peanuts fall into a contestant. Um, but Bob Bergen did entertain the show, and this was in the peak 90s. So we're talking Pokemon was a category. We're talking, do you know the last names of the of the Animaniacs? And it's, it's fun, fun trivia questions for kids with books about goosebumps. I don't think this, this is pre-Harry Potter um, reading material. And, and the fun part is I think when it comes to the clues, there's only 41 of them. And yes, it's kids level, and of course, they stall for time when it comes to the dumping of the stuff. Uh, Bob Bergen did do a good job hosting it. The only thing I did not really care much for was they kept doing... And even though this was the first uh, 
This was the first uh, Clue Crew thing. They had a Jep Squad. The Jep Squad was the Clue Crew before the Clue Crew, where they had uh, kids from all across the country also ask uh, clues about their your home city or just something on their mind, or they got Alex Trebek to ask questions. It was it's fascinating. Also, uh, besides the Daily Double, one question was a Jet Prize, where if they got a clue correctly, they get a a, a, a small Tiger Electronic toy, like a like a Bop It or something. Um, so there there is some fun to come with Jep. Uh, the from the creation of the Jep Squad, it became the Clue Crew in Modern Jeopardy to uh, its way of basically having more interactive ways of giving clues, such as uh, taste test, where the contestants had to figure out what they were eating, to uh, write down the answers in Roman numerals and buzzing in when you have it. Things like this wouldn't really fly on regular Jeopardy, but there were fun experimental ways in a kid's version of Jeopardy. Also, it was randomized, so anything could be worth 500 points, anything could be worth 100 points. And it was just a silly, silly show. When it came down to the hype, uh, if a contestant ever was in the red on uh, Sports Jeopardy, they can't play. If they're in the red on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, they can't play. If they're in the red on Regular Jeopardy, they can't play unless, of course, they're a celebrity. If this was kids jeopardy they get a they just get uh revert back to 100 points and keep playing and i think that's just a nice touch of the show so not all the contestants can feel bad uh so when the game ends on jep because uh, it's a point show not a cash show uh whoever has the most points wins jep but we go down the line so whoever's in third place gets to choose between two prizes you can get a sony walkman or you can get fossil sunglasses, for instance. Then in second place, you can get a Sony boombox, or you can get a Vans, Van Shoes, three Van Shoes, which you know is about roughly the same price when it came down to the 90s. And then the winner gets to choose between two prizes. They can have a limo ride to their school for a whole week and 10 CDs. The limo rides from the limo service, the CDs are on us. Or they can win... a. Uh, a PlayStation 1 Deluxe package complete with a VCR and a television set. Personally, for me, I would have gone with the PlayStation, of course. Um, and that's it. Also, if you were a contestant on any of these versions, you can't play on the main Jeopardy. That's, an, that's another fun rule to say. If you were on Jeopardy, you can't be on Jeopardy. If you were on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, you can't be on Jeopardy. If you're on Sports Jeopardy, you can't be on Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> so... It's it's the it's the weird appeal for Jeff, and I think Jeff was charming. I think Rock and Roll Jeopardy is very fun as well, and it shows that Jeff Probst does have uh, talent as a host. And Sports Jeopardy definitely was an innovative way of bringing Jeopardy to a online market, which shows the great appeal that of Jeopardy. Rather, it's in the classroom. Rather, it's just uh, sitting at a, a table with your with your family, with a board game adaptation. If it's uh, just video game wise, you're playing it on the Switch, uh, that that new Ubisoft edition. If it's a uh, old DOS edition of Junior Jeopardy. If it's 
looking at the uh, the uh, the what, what was it the the Tiger Electronic LED game. There's so many versions of Jeopardy out there, and there and there's such a appeal to Jeopardy that I, I that I it, it transcends the game show world from its uh, trivia aspects to its uh, its risk reward system with the daily doubles to its um, general audience of of who watches Jeopardy. Uh, it's it's definitely very geeky. And you, no matter what, you can't really uh, go anywhere without somebody knowing Jeopardy, at least in America. And uh, when Trebek announced that he was planning on retiring, you know, that was a major thing. Uh, of course, he's no longer in the retirement system. Uh, he is still slated to continue hosting, I believe, until 2024. Um, in which case, someone else will definitely try and take hold of it. Um, my worry when it comes to Jeopardy is not so much the show is going to screw up his format, because I think that show has a prime format, and everyone knows how the game is played. You see the clue, you just say, what is the answer, that's it. You don't even say who is anymore. There's an Alexa version of Jeopardy you can play right now. Alexa, play Jeopardy. All you need to say. And it's, uh, you get, uh, the, the J6 because of the sixth clue that show up. Um... So, uh, here's the quick fact about Jeopardy when it comes to clue writing, uh, is that if you're a question writer for Jeopardy, you don't write five uh, clues per category, you write six. That is because in the event that a question has to get scrapped, because here the contestant's like, uh, don't know, I think it's this, and then the judges are like stopping tape to figure out, is that really what it is? Or it's misinterpreted, or something is screwing up with all the contestants, they could call an audible and throw into the sixth clue. Uh, the sixth clue is thrown out regardless if they go through the normal like five clues. So that sixth clue is basically going to be played either on the Alexa app or on the J6 on Jeopardy.com. Uh, and that makes for a little extra bonus DLC content if you're a Jeopardy fan. Uh, and I think that makes for even more of an interactive experience when it comes to Jeopardy. There is, uh, uh, for Jeopardy fans, they also know that there was once this huge Jeopardy tournament champion thing called Super Jeopardy, where it was instead of three podiums, four podiums, played with a lot of points, and it was like, what's going on here? It's crazy. Um, so, Super Jeopardy, I, I, I just, look, it's 200 or 1,000 points in... Uh, the round one, and then it keeps going. Do, 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 do. Who cares? It's it's Super Jeopardy. That was like a one-off special. That's like going, hey, remember the time in Jeopardy? Look, there's a lot of gimmicks on, on Jeopardy. Super Jeopardy was one of them in the early 90s. It was like a tournament champions for points with four contestants. I thought it was too obnoxious. I was, I was bored by it. Um... I thought that didn't really make for an exciting uh, use of the signaling device. What makes for good television is things like uh, if you have someone who's legally blind and they use a Braille pen uh, or, or blow a computer to play Jeopardy, or you you have uh, somebody who, or you play Jeopardy from around the world where you go to different sets and you play Jeopardy there, or uh, you have that one where it was with Watson, where it was Brad Rutter 
Ken Jennings and IBM's Watson playing a one-off game of Jeopardy with really tough clues. That made for some fascinating television. And Jeopardy always knows how to innovate with its technology, and I believe that's the appeal. Of course, I'm not stupid, and I know a lot of people just wait for the celebrity episodes. Because of celebrity episodes, the questions are tad easier, but also tad funnier because they time to be more wisecracky when it comes to the the clues and interacting with uh, Alex Trebek. So... I mean, if, if it wasn't for Celebrity Jeopardy, there would be that great SNL skit with Will Ferrell as Alex Trebek and, you know, Sean Connery and Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds with the foam cowboy hat. Those are good stuff. Um, so, whew, the current cash consolation prices provide Geico. Oh, so it's no longer Leave or Centrum Silver. It's Geico. Geico, your home of uh, sponsored content, I guess. Sponsored. Your 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 runner up prizes a thousand two thousand dollars provided by Geico, not uh, Centrum or Aleve. Okay, well now I know that. Um, so uh, there's the yeah his uh, contract was renewed to twenty twenty two, according to a November twenty eighteen report. Okay. It's just so we can get through some of the, the actual facts I was right. So it's November 2018 interview, host through 2022 uh, is, is when uh contract ends. My big f- uh, five episodes are taped each day with two days of taping every other week. Uh, film like Sony Pictures Stage 10 in Culver City, California. Um, all right. So my big fear when it comes to Jeopardy is 2022. It's four years from now. I think television at this point in four years definitely is going to be cross uh, boundary. That means I I think it's going to be across uh, mediums. That means I don't think a lot of people are just going to be buying television sets uh, or have cable. That I think because it's a syndicated show, Jeopardy would need to have uh, a, a network like they would definitely have it on a uh, uh, an online service. So at the same time that you watch the day's episode on, say, your local ABC affiliate, you can see it also on Hulu or see it on Disney Plus or something. That that's going to be where the network needs to go. Uh, otherwise. You're going to see a new generation of kids not understand Jeopardy, and the show is going to lose its viewership because the more technology is enriched in our lives, the more these game shows need to adapt. And if these game shows do not adapt uh, to get to the audiences and and, and know how to get to the the visions of people to say, hey, go watch Jeopardy, go watch Wheel of Fortune, It's, it's on the air where you could still get older people to watch Jeopardy because it's on network, to get kids to watch it because it's on the internet, you're going to lose an audience. So if you don't do both, it's going to end. And I think that 2022 is going to be a tipping point where you're going to see that happen a lot more frequently. It's happening right now. with Hulu has same-day repeats. You have CBS All Access with same-day repeats. This is a syndicated show, and a lot of syndicated shows need to figure out how to market their shows to be on a network 
uh, that's online. So if you're syndicated shows, selling your shows to a, a channel, try and sell your shows to a Netflix, sell your shows to a Hulu. Because I don't know if, if this can ever continue on as just a solo stay on a cable channel. Because times are a-changing. Now, I don't say television's dying. I'm just saying times are changing. Maybe think towards internet. Um, but Jeopardy definitely has uh, transcended a lot of generations. And, of course, I think at 2022, it would still still be on the air, still have cultural appeal. I don't think this show is going anywhere. And I do think knowing Sony Pictures and knowing the people behind Jeopardy, they are definitely thinking of ways to do that right now um, as we speak. So I think my worry isn't going to be one that's going to be 2022. I think they've already implemented by 2020. Not only that, something tells me they've already figured out who is their host. They're just waiting on Trebek to say, I'm calling it quits. Because now that everyone knows he's thinking of retiring, there's going to be 30, 40, 50, hundreds of people wanting to jump on this gig. From Anderson Cooper to that, uh, the lawyer from CNN that Trebek wanted uh, to, to maybe even Dan Patrick. Maybe Jeff Probst. Who knows? Jeopardy! is a, a show about trivia. It's a show about risk-reward. And it is a show uh, that basically is a paint-by-numbers game show where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, or don't change it, I suppose. Uh, so so what makes Jeopardy! so appealing is that nothing changes. Just the values, just the set, and theme song. Like, that's it. You, the, other than that, the gameplay hasn't changed at all. The format hasn't changed at all, and anyone can make their own version of Jeopardy. It is a it is this phenomenon that has re, that has reached all ages, and you can't go anywhere without it. I think that is something that can't be said about much other game shows. I mean, Price is Right, possibly Wheel of Fortune, a little less. But I think Jeopardy is that game show. If you are going to pick a one game show, just one game show in the entire world of game shows that exists to watch and that's it, Jeopardy will be that game show. And I think that is, is something that is uh, exciting. Yeah, just watch it. I, I, I know it, it, it could be boring for people. If you don't understand stuff, it, it could get exhausting. I understand that. But if you're going to make one game show, the ambassador for game shows, the one the one show that says this is the game show, deal or no deal. Oh, wait, no, no Jeopardy. It's Jeopardy because Jeopardy is the game first, not really the contestants. And then if you really just want to see like the awkward celebrity, like the awkward uh, contestant backgrounds, that's always funny, too. Um, I know a lot of people who watch Jeopardy say that's their favorite part is right after the first act, you going back in from the commercial break to act two, let's get to know our contestants. Uh, Elizabeth here is a middle school teacher, and Elizabeth, uh, you once accidentally ate a goldfish? Yeah, my daughter had a pet goldfish, and she didn't put it in the bowl, she put it in a glass cup, and... I thought it was empty, and I drank the glass cup, and there was a goldfish inside. Oh, no, that's... Oh, geez. And now we go over to David here. 
David is a is a professor of literary studies, but in his spare time he does music. That's right, Alex. I am in a ska band. A ska band? What's a ska band? Well, it's kind of like reggae, but we have more horns. Wow, so you know your way around a trumpet, am I right? Oh, I actually know. I play a piano. Ha ha ha, okay. And our returning champion here, Jeffrey. Jeffrey here, um, you apparently had a run-in with a former vice president. Yeah, I was at Barnes and & Noble, and, and Dick Shaney was there, and I tried to run away. And I saw so I saw the social I saw the, the Secret Service and I was scared for my life because I thought they were the Feds. Oh well, maybe uh, the the government won't be after you unless you win the big money today. Anyway, you have control of the board, so let's keep going. <laughs> That's Jeopardy in a nutshell, and it's just so awkward, and I love it. Uh, uh so Jeopardy. I think we're near the end of Jeopardy roundup. So Jeopardy's come in many flavors, from rock and roll Jeopardy, sports Jeopardy, to Jep, to a mainstream Jeopardy. And there's no getting around to a Jeopardy because you can play it on your phone. You can play it on a tablet. You can play it on your Chromecast. You can play it on a DOS. You can play it on, I think, any every generation of console. Since the Nintendo Entertainment System has had some variation of a Jeopardy game board. Uh, Jeopardy was on NES, SNES, Genesis, Game Gear, Game.com. I believe there was one for the, uh, the Game Boy Color. No, the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. Uh, there's one for the N64, the PlayStation 1. I think there's also a second edition for PlayStation 1. There was an edition for PlayStation 2, a PlayStation 3 edition, PlayStation 4. Uh, definitely ones for Wii, because Wii is shovelware. Uh, and now there's one from the Nintendo Switch. A, Nintendo, a Jeopardy is one of those games that you can find anywhere. And if you can't find it on video game form, you can obviously go to your local uh, board game place. I'm sure there's one there. And if not, you can just find your own. Or go to j-archive.com to see clues. What makes Jeopardy, once again, the most appealing show is that I believe... It makes everyone feel smart. At one point in this show, there will be one category for you to love. There will be one thing for you to just get excited about that you know something. And of course, there'll be one category where you just don't give a crap about and just say, I'm done. I'm just going to take a break. And, and that's the great appeal of Jeopardy is it has ongoing play along where if you just want to play with the clues, you can get your calculator out. If you want to just look at the game itself and see the head-to-head -head battles between these these smarty pant people, you can. My only other regret is I have failed the Jeopardy test more than 15 times. I'm upset by that. I am not smart for Jeopardy, and I think this podcast is living proof that I am an idiot. But that's okay. It's Jeopardy, it's fun, and I will still watch it. And I think that's why I, I, I want to just talk about Jeopardy for this episode. And I know that if we have guests to come by to talk uh, game shows, I'm sure one of them might pick Jeopardy, and we'll talk about it again soon. But until then, we, I think we have finished up talking about the classic game show known as Jeopardy, a game show I will continue to watch, even if it makes me feel stupid. And 
I'm never going to see an opera. Stop asking me opera questions, Trebek. You sicken me. Hey, we're back, and it's a pricing game segment. Uh... After just spending about 90 minutes talking about Jeopardy, my voice was starting to sound like this, and I thought I was getting sick, but no, I I, I don't know what's going on. I don't think I'm, I'm getting cold or anything, but I know if I start talking for a long period of time, eventually my voice breaks down, and I don't know what's going on. But look, look Jeopardy has just been an iconic uh, show, and I can't wait to talk about it more with friends if they ever stop by. But for right now, it's Pricing Game Spotlight. And uh, a second game to discuss is, of course, the bonus game. The bonus game was premiere date, September 4th, 1972. Tape number 0011D. That was the first aired episode of The Price is Right. Right, It was the second price game right after the Any Number game, which was our last episode. If you don't know what the bonus game is, it is a game where you can win a, a, a small prize, like a trip to Tahiti or um, a... a refrigerator set uh the way it's played is that there are four windows on this little game board each of which is associated with one small prize and one conceals the word bonus while the game uses small prizes to which the contestant can win the real goal of the game is to win the bonus prize which is of much greater value you're shown four prizes you know one per window and all you got to do is is see the value and determine if it's higher or lower than the label shown. For instance, it's a it's a can opener, $20, higher or lower than $20. If you're right, you win the can opener and the window. If that window says bonus, you win the bonus prize. If all four prizes have been played and all four windows are lighted, the window that says bonus has been marked. Kesson wins the bonus prize. If you don't win any squares, you don't win the prize. Uh, if you get all four prizes correctly no matter what happens you automatically win the bonus prize and there's no bonus for getting the four right your bonus is the bonus prize that's why it's the bonus game bonus game was the first of three pricing games played on the show we have premiered september 4th 1972 the other two being any number and double prizes like any number bonus game was one on its first playing for the first three taped episodes the windows that would read no and bonus were yellow beginning on September 11, 1972. They became blue as the yellow made the words very hard to read. Recently, the windows were replaced with a TV monitor that's on the Drew Carey uh, current version, which only shows the bonus when it's time for the bonus to reveal rather than the others to remain the same. On 1974, the show staff decided to retire bonus game for a while. It was last played on June 13, 1974. Uh... And recreated shell game to replace it. Uh, after the newer game's debut, bonus game was not played on a daytime show for over a year, although it continued to appear on the primetime edition. For reasons unknown, it was returned to the active rotation on July 24, 1975, and removed again on July 28th, and was permanently back on rotation September 5th, and has remained there ever since. On May 28, 1974, this game, along with any number, got their title names on the same day. When the game returned to the daytime rotation on September 5, 1975, the color scheme got an update to better mesh with the show's set. Okay, sure, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, November 5, 1981, in aired out order, the game took on a gold color scheme in 2013. 
Uh, it was in navy blue windows were replaced by the large monitor divided into four gold windows with a tall star. The word no gets dropped out, but the word bonus appears in animation. The background is green in the loss and is red with the, out the exclamation point. Due to Barker's fur ban, oh yeah, Bob Barker did not want fur coats on the show because, you know, he's an animal rights activist. More on that when we do the Price Right episode. Uh, all the items, all the times the bonus game had been played from the first two weeks of shows have not been rerun since their first broadcast. By the way, those prices were for a coat. Sorry. <laughs> um, despite this, an episode in which a fur coat was the bonus prize was mistakenly rerun on the Game Show Network. Uh-oh. They don't air reruns of The Price is Right anymore on the Game Show Network. Um, since I think Sony bought them. Um, a contestant named Paul Levine played bonus game perfectly not once but twice. He played perfectly on the day it premiered and got invited back for a special 40th anniversary special on September 5th, 2012. Aired at order on September 4th and played it perfectly again. The layer of which was restored 1972 Chevrolet Monte Carlo worth $16,995. On the May 17th, 2017, a uh, game like Shell Game, a contestant won all uh, uh, small prizes. Contestant would have a free chance to win another prize on top of everything else by trying to find the bonus. This prize, Mitsubishi Lancer 19,405 in this playing. The contestant won all for windows, but picked the third window instead of window number one. I, I don't like that. I don't, no, don't do that. Just he won the bonus prize. It's called bonus game. You already got the bonus. Uh, if you're going to uh on march 23rd 2018 during a special week of shows called youth week bonus game was played for fifteen thousand dollars and was won the most number of times this game was played on any season was 91 it was the second of three pricing games to premiere on the first show uh the other two were any number and next uh, uh, uh next uh pricing game we're looking at double prices with the exception of season 40 bonus game has been not been played more than 10 times a season since season 17 uh, Nighttime appearances appeared on Death James version. It's appeared on the Shell game. Uh, four editions. If all four editions right here, she won the bonus prize as well as a chance to win 50 bucks by finding the bonus. The Rosie O'Donnell Show is a noted addition uh, in the Prices Right wiki page. Bob Barker was a guest star several times on the Rosie O'Donnell Show, and his appearances almost always featured a pricing game on the Prices Right, which Rosie would play the game on behalf of an audience member or play with the audience member as a team with the audience member winning the prizes. The episode in which the bonus game was played for was a 1999 episode. In it, the audience member admitted that she lived in the city and didn't have a patio, so she had no possible use for the bonus prize, a barbecue grill and patio furniture. When she asked to trade the prize in, Bob remarked, no, here we do it just the way we do it on the prices Right. That's the prize, take it or leave it. Rosie and the audience player won three of the four smaller prizes as an offer and won a bonus as well. The word bonus was on the bottom window. Okay, well, that's a fun fact. It was on the bottom. Uh, and then there's some photos of the bonus game with bonus cash and then some videos of it, uh, including the wiki, uh, the the Rosie O'Donnell thing. Okay, so now that I got through the, the, the bonus game outlook in 1972 and September 4th, let me explain the, the game in terms of uh, how it, it works. Um, you know, prices raise a game about good prices and it's kind of a game within the game because if you get the small prizes right, you win the prizes and then there's one bigger prize. And I think that is a really, really cool idea to come with bonus game. Uh, I, early on in the days, it was kind of like a two-digit prize. But lately, uh, they kind of grow into now three-digit items. Uh, things like a, 
air fryer, for instance, or a dumbbell set. And I think that's the way the game needs to go. Because uh, as much as I like bonus game, because one of the four prizes is the cool big prize, the big trip somewhere, that $9,000 vacation or or money, I, I kind of like the idea of bonus game being four okay good prizes, and then the fifth is the big prize. So if I was to plus up the bonus game, I would make sure these are like really simple, small prizes. So like a humidor, for instance, or uh, air purifier, or... Um, Maybe like a, like a nest, like a nest system. Something that's in the low 300s. Like $100, $200, $300 prices. So if you get all four, you get 1200 bucks worth of items plus a bonus trip. And I think that's where the game needs to go. Where it's something like, here is a smartphone. The smartphone is $350. Is the price higher or lower than 350 Something like that could work um, for the bonus game. I, I like the way they renovated the game to have the big LED screen. I think having monitors on the prices right is actually more beneficial to the show than just having this outdated A-crate light system. And the more they implement it, the, the better it is. Now, I'm not saying completely get rid of it, because bonus game is really cool in the fact that they have both physical name price, like price tags, in addition to the back screen showing bonus. And I know a few people dislike having uh, screens, and that becomes a big debate. Because with physical, it's right there, and it's shown. If it's an LED screen, there's always these weird game show freaks. And I say freaks, not in a loving way. I actually do say they're they're not normal people, and it's creepy, and I, I don't want to talk to these people. I don't want to know you. I love game shows. I love talking to fans. But these game show freaks have this weird conspiracy that if there is a television set, that means that the game is going to rig the game out of the player's favor or or standards and practices, and it's going to be a whole game show scandal. And I, I don't like that. It's not that way. Uh, if you have an LED television screen uh, when it comes to one of these things, before the game is played... Uh, it's printed out which of the four screens is going to show bonus. An SNP guy at the time of the game will see it and confirm it. So there's no chance of them swapping the, the prizes. Uh, what's shown is shown. They just have to go through with it, win or lose. That when I see things like that exist, I just I just get angry. I, it's like, come on. I think we need more video monitors with physical. Things like bonus game is cool because it's this blending of new tech with old tech. The old tech of higher or lower, and then they do the flop to reveal what the prize is, and the new tech involving the bonus screen. That is something that fascinates me when it comes to a game like The Price is Right, where it's never really changing the gameplay itself, but rather how they innovate in terms of, of making old games seem new again. Bonus game having the screen is definitely one that helps. Uh, it is a game that definitely takes a few minutes of time, but when it's revealed and there's your and there's your there's your the uh, the tension section of the game is the once all four prizes are revealed, which of the four is the bonus? If you have the bonus, you win the prize. A good Price is Right game has good ways to show the tension. And 
any number, as we explained, the, mo the maximum tension you can get is if everyone's one number away. For this game, it's either one prize was won or three of the four were won because that means you have the maximum place of winning without guaranteeing it or the least amount, but there's still that hope that you could still have it. One of those is what makes the most maximum effect of the game. Uh, of course, if you four out of four are right, you win the prize. Zero out of four, you have no chance of winning. So with a game like this, the maximum amount of tension you can get in the game is if you got one of the four right or three of the four right. Because if it's three out of four, there's still a chance you could still lose the prize. And if it's one out of four, there's still the hope that you get one of the prizes. And that makes for the tension of the game. And that's what makes it an, ex an, an excellent pricing game on The Price is Right. Um, it, the the stylistic changes, color schemes, it, it goes over time. It doesn't to me that doesn't matter. What makes it great is it's that cool little turntable game. I don't think it's ever been played outside of that turntable, and it's the it's the way that you win a prize and then you win more prizes. And if they make sure that the prizes you won of the four are stuff that's somewhat good then then you have a winning game. It should not be like a Plinko where it's two-digit prizes, where it's the price of a DVD or the price of a, of, a, of a travel mug. Those shouldn't be the prizes on bonus game that you play for. It should be things that are like consumer goods that are necessary. If there were, if there was like a, uh, let's see, what would be a good thing? Like a, like a like a boombox, like one of those uh, Bluetooth speaker sets, you know, like one of those big Bluetooth speaker sets. That could be a prize, but one that's just like, here's the my pillow. No, no, it shouldn't be a my pillow. It should be bedding set, like the actual bedding set. One like good good count quilt, all that good stuff. That should be the prize, not a pillow. Uh, it should be the Keurig coffee maker itself, not just a travel mug. That should be the prices for bonus game. And the good thing about a bonus game is because it could be any prices in those four squares, they can do it that way. And I, I feel that the bonus game is a very underrated game to be played, even though it's very simple to understand and very fun when it comes to the tension of revealing where the bonus is, um, which is why I wanted to put a spotlight on it. Join us next time for the Price is Right Spotlight when we will be talking about Double Prices, the third game that was featured on the Price is Right's debut day. Uh, that's going to do it for the this podcast episode of, um, of game shows, I suppose. I'll try not to get sick as next week we talk about another game show. Until then, uh, good night and... Mwah! Smooch! Thank <laughs> you.